And our children right now going out to Children's Church, and we want to just ask that God would really use their leaders to uh, give them a great time celebrating um, the Easter story and all that God has done. Well, it's a great day as we uh, celebrate what's, uh, what's really important. And as you think about that, it's only really important if you understand what it's all about. I was reading about a particular Sunday school and a Sunday school teacher who was giving the, the, the survey for the morning in terms of making sure her children knew uh, what Resurre- Resurrection Sunday was all about. And, and this is how the experience went. She asked her children about Easter and what it was all about. She got a bunch of answers ranging from candy to the Easter bunny to having to dress in fancy clothes. She wasn't getting the answers she had hoped for, so she pressed on. What does Easter really mean? What happened on that first Easter morning? A little girl raised her hand and said that that was the day that Jesus had come out of his tomb. (sighs) Sighing with relief, the teacher smiled at the girl and prompted, Jesus arose from the tomb, and, and what does he do for us? The youngster thought for a moment. He looks to see if he can see his shadow, and if he can, he goes back in for another six weeks. <laughs> Wrong answer. You know, Jesus is not groundhog, and he's not this little raccoon who's living underneath my, my house the last week. Uh, he, he came out uh, of the tomb three days after he was put in it. And, and what he did is he celebrated the victory over, over death. But as you think about Easter, a lot of people have heard about it, but they don't quite, they don't quite get it. And, and this morning, what we want to do, we, we just want to go back to the story. And, and I hate even using the word story because it, it's a true event. And, and really focus again what Easter is really all about. I was reading one author this week, and he said, really, Easter is all about a particular word. And the particular word is, is hope. And as I read that, I was thinking, is that really what Easter is all about? Is Easter really all about hope? Can you summarize everything about Easter about hope? In many ways, the, the word hope is the forgotten word in the New Testament. We talk a lot about faith, and we talk about love, and, and sometimes we'll throw in hope there. But is Easter really about hope? As we think about getting in on Easter, it, it requires faith. You've got to believe it's true. And, and so I thought, to begin with, I'd contrast faith and hope, and, and really they are connected. It's, it's really two sides of the same coin. If you really have faith, you have hope. And if you really have hope, you, you really have to have faith. If you have your outline this morning, it's going to help you follow along in a number of different ways as we look at, at the Easter event, where, where good news does bring hope and as we think about the contrast between faith and hope, faith looks upward and hope looks onward. Faith sees who gives the promise and hope sees what the promise gives. Faith is confident about today and hope is confident about tomorrow. Faith appropriates and hope anticipates. Faith accepts, but hope expects. For many people, when you think about hope, how would you define hope? Hope is, is that what you're, you're hoping might be true. You're longing for something that, that you're, you're, you would just desire to happen. You're making a wish. You're dreaming about something. Now, is that what the Bible really describes for those who have faith? It's that kind of hope. It's, it's wishful thinking. It's, it's longing for something to happen. It's this great desire 
you know, what do you hope to get for Christmas? What do you hope to get for your birthday? You know, what, is, is that the type of hope that the Bible talks about? Well, it's interesting that the Bible looks at hope as something that is certain. It's not a dream expectation. It's a certain expectation. And the reason it's a certain expectation is because it's based not simply on your feelings or something that you wish might happen. It's really based on God and the promises of God. And then when God sends something, you know it's going to happen. And so as we think about Easter, we need to come to have faith and conviction that it's true. But as we focus on hope for the Easter, it's really believing there's some results from our faith. The author of the book of Hebrews in Hebrews 6.19 says that faith is the anchor for our soul. When things don't go right for you, what, what, what keeps you together? What allows you to stand in the midst of all the, the challenges of life? Is because you look in the future and you know your future is settled. That, that no matter how bad it gets now or even how good it gets, it, it's going to get better. In the same book of Hebrews, in chapter 10, it talks about that we ought to hold fast to our hope. Because it's that which God provides. Well, this morning, we're going to look at how the Easter event brings hope. But before we look at that, we need to recognize that this is going to be a challenge for each at the end of the message to decide, well, what are we going to do with it? It's one thing to hear about the Easter event. It's another thing to to deal with it, to to make a choice, to decide, am I in or am I out? And hopefully this morning, and the good news about this day, this is the day where life begins, that that life might begin for you either in a very fresh new way or in a whole new dimension because you decide to trust completely in the one who came on that Easter and conquered death. What happened on that Easter weekend? Began on Friday and ended on Sunday. And as many of you know, that Friday is called Good Friday. And it's always amazing to me to think about it's called Good Friday because it didn't seem too good for Jesus. And really didn't seem too good for his followers as well. And if they were, if they were filled with hope about this, this man that they had been with for three years that they thought... Maybe it was more than a man, that he was the son of man, he was the son of God, that he, as Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, I and the Father are one, that he was God in the flesh. And they, they had hope that there was going to be much more to look forward to, that they were experienced in the present, that they, they had a tomorrow. But on that, on that Easter weekend, it, it began with the death of hope. As Jesus began his public ministry, he did a variety of things to to demonstrate that what he claimed was actually true. And in the 11th chapter of John, it's it's an interesting uh, section of scripture. If you have your Bibles, you might turn to uh, John chapter 11. And in it, you you see, even before Good Friday, that there were times where that that hope that he was presenting seemed to be dying. That that it wasn't going to happen. And I think we've all experienced that. You know, dreams and expectations, and we're looking forward to it, and then it doesn't happen. 
That, that which we looked forward to wasn't going to be experienced. Well, in John chapter 11, we have the story of, of Jesus being called by his closest friends to, to get back to where they live because their loved one, their brother, was dying. And, and Jesus knew it was gonna, what was going to happen, and, and he delayed his coming. And the inevitable did happen. The, the brother that was dying died. And, and what was the response of those who were there who, who really experienced much hope when they sent for Jesus, and when he didn't come, they lost all hope. In John chapter 11, verse 21, we have these simple words. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if, if you had been here, my brother would not have what? Died. Now, now later on, it says, I, I still believe you can do something. But that which she had hoped for didn't happen. There was a death to hope. In John chapter 11, verse 32, you have, you have a, her sister coming to Jesus. And then, then when Mary came where Jesus was and, and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have what? Died. There was an expectation that if Jesus was there, something would have happened. Jesus did not show up and what they had expected did not happen. There was death. There was death to their hope. But it wasn't even those closest ones to him Mary and Martha, uh, what was the crowd's reaction? In John chapter 11, verse 37, it said, and some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from what? Dying. Dying? Uh, often, I, because of my vocation, uh, you know, I, I, I present to families who have lost loved ones a time of remembrance and a time of celebrating the life of the one they have loved. And I turn to this passage often because there's a good news in this story, if you know John chapter 11, because Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus and calls him forth, and Lazarus is brought back to life. I mean, it can't get any better than that, can it? The one that was in the grave is now out of the grave and is is alive and well. But if that's all Jesus can do, is extend life here for a few more years, what is that? Jesus, even made that statement before he performed the miracle in verse 25 and 26, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? See, people are going to die. What happens next? That's what, that's what Easter Sunday brings, is hope. That there's something beyond this life. But as we look at that first Easter weekend, how did it begin? There was the death of hope. We all already had that passage read to us this morning. I just want to highlight a few things. But if you have your Bibles, you want to spin through them, go ahead. If not, just listen to the passage. But in the first gospel in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 27, you have Jesus on the cross. And, and as uh, he was on the cross, there were those who were thinking about what he had said in the past and what was happening now. And what was their, what was their thinking about this resurrection Easter weekend? In Matthew 27, verse 38, we have, Then the two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And, and those who passed by blasphemed him. Now, that word blasphemy is kind of a religious word. It simply means speak evil of. Anybody ever spoken evil of anybody here? 
When you do that, you blaspheme somebody. You just, you just tear them apart. And they were wagging their heads, so they were blaspheming them with their words and with their body language and saying, you who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. And I guess you could say, if you'll come down from the cross right now, save yourself, we'll believe. And, and maybe we'll have some hope. Likewise, the chief priest also mocking what the scribes and the elders said. He who saved others himself, he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if, if, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. And then verse 44 says, even the robbers, plural, who were crucified with him, reviled him with the same thing. And the reason I point out the robbers, both of them, were reviling him. Some of you know the story in this event that one of the two turned to faith in him. And really that kind of mirrors all of us. At every point in our life, all of us are on the opposite side in our relationship with God. We know about him. We've maybe heard the story. We're excited about the potential, what it might result in if we believe in him, but... We see so many people rejecting him. And, and, and we kind of chime in and, and make the story a, a foolish story. But as those were experiencing on that day the, the death of hope, later on this one received hope. This morning as you've come, are you expecting a better future? Are you trusting that Whatever days God has left for you here and, and then eternity. Do you believe that, that God has something for you? You know, it's been well said that we can live 40 days without food, eight days without water, four minutes without air, but only a few seconds without hope. If it's not going to get any better than this, then then why go on? Because inevitably, our lives will end in death. What's the purpose for life? And really, it was not only the chief priests, it was not only the thieves on the cross next to Jesus, it was not only the soldiers who were experiencing that, all of his closest companions and disciples ran. Because on Easter weekend, there was the death of hope. It seemed that everything that Jesus had said was not true. Well, that, that, that's the sobering news. The, the good news is, is not only on that Easter weekend was the death of hope. There was the resurrection of hope. There was the darkest of days between Friday and Sunday. As everyone was in despair. But then something happened. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 15 and not just listen on as I, as I read. We had a, a man who <laughs> did not believe any of the things that, that reportedly Jesus had said. And he didn't hear them firsthand. He heard them secondhand. In fact, he became angry at anyone who would follow after this man named Jesus. And then he encountered something. <laughs> he encountered Jesus personally. And, and at the core of what changed him was the, was the proof of the resurrection. 
And what changed all those who had no hope? It was not simply calling back to mind some of the the miracles that Jesus did. It came back to the miracle Jesus did on Resurrection Sunday. That he came up out of the grave. And Paul, who's basically, in the New Testament times, kind of a lawyer, a debater. And he spoke to people and said, I don't know if I, can, if I can believe this. I mean, that seems pretty far-fetched to believe that when you die, there's something after death. And he, first of all, he says, well, I agree with you. If, if, if there isn't more to Jesus than simply the good stories, the great teaching, the, the model example life, the, the help for this life in terms of his wisdom, then you know, this is kind of an empty message. In 1 Corinthians 15, we, we have Paul sharing these words. He, he says very powerfully and pointedly. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how, how do some among you say there's no resurrection of the dead? How, how can you believe there's nothing going to happen afterwards? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Basically, say, look, if that's true, let's just stop this service right now. There's no sense for me to keep on talking if this is simply just a good story that never happened. Yes, and if we have found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he rose from the dead, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead is not arise. For if the dead is not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. We're basing all of our life on a lie. All the time spent together talking about spiritual things and and reading this big book means nothing. Because everything in the Old Testament points to this event where the Son of God, the Messiah, would come. And all of that are just fanciful myths. Unless Jesus rose from the dead. But then the question, why should we believe it? I know we would want to believe it. I mean, I remember the first time I heard this story. And I was was challenged, would you like to go to heaven? You know, I rose my hand. You know, I don't want to go the the other alternative from what I've heard. And and I was told the, the story of Jesus dying on the cross and then being put in a tomb and then raising from the dead three days later. And, and would I put my confidence and trust in the one who came and died for me and rose again? Who wouldn't want that? But why should we believe? Well, well Paul put it very plainly in 1 Corinthians 15, and this is the earlier part of this. He says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. He basically said, this is a first importance. This is, this is at the very heart of everything. This is first. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and then He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So this is all prophesied. This is all said and mentioned before many, many times. And then it says, and then He was seen. He was seen by Cephas, which is Aramaic for Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And it said, in other words, you can speak to these people who saw Jesus. Then after that, he was seen by James and by all the apostles. And then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. Why should we believe this? 
Not only the fulfillment of prophecy and this big book called the Bible, but because of all the eyewitnesses. Forty days after he died, before he arose into heaven, he showed himself in many undeniable ways, in many recorded situations to over 500 people, sometimes individually, sometimes in groups, that he had risen from the dead. There's ample evidence for Jesus rising from the dead. But still, people might doubt. I was reading this past week about, uh, it was a news report of this, this uh, young lady that she was walking around the mall. She had a t-shirt on. And on this t-shirt, there were four words in large letters. And on this, on this t-shirt said this, hope is for suckers. And, you know, I thought about that when I read that article. I was like, man, that's, that's kind of an interesting, interesting t-shirt to wear. Hope is for suckers. But, you know, that's true if the hope is not what? True. If, if what we're hoping for is, is based on a lie, then, then hope is for suckers. And how many of have, have been a sucker on some sales pitch that someone's given us? <laughs> if you just buy this item... The one that I remember that I was a sucker for, they came by my door, and I never, I never do this, but for some reason I was so frustrated about cleaning the windows at my, at, at my home in Banning, which wind went everywhere, and dust and dirt goes everywhere, and they said, if you'll just use this, you don't ever have to take off your screens, you don't have to scrub, all you have to do is spray on it and spray hose on it, and it'll just come off magically. I bought it. <laughs> Why? Because I had a hope that that would work. And I was a sucker, all right? Because hope is for suckers if the hope they give you, if the sale pitch you give you is not true. But Easter, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday is about a hope that, that died, but then was resurrected, resurrected because this is true. You look at the lives that have been changed down through history. You look at the lives that have been changed just recently. And the only way to account for that is that Jesus is alive. What's Easter all about? Easter is all about that this good news brings hope. A hope that died but then was resurrected. But there's a third crucial thing to know about that Easter weekend. And we really already touched on it, is that hope is not only that which died during Easter weekend and was resurrected on Easter weekend, but hope was experienced on that Easter weekend. And we could illustrate this so many different ways from the pages of Scripture. And the reason we do this at Grace Hill Church is because we believe that this is where truth is found in the Word of God. You remember, uh, remember Peter? We already read about him. His name was Cephas in terms of the account by the Apostle Paul. But, but Peter was a man that had his hope die. In fact, it died pretty quickly. In Matthew chapter 26, we have, we have the account of, of, of Jesus um, predicting something that was going to happen. And then it, then it happened because when Jesus said things, they happened. And in Matthew 26, verse 60. Chapter 26, verse 69, we, we have the account of, of Peter demonstrating where his hope was and where his faith was. 
Now, Peter sat outside in the courtroom, and a servant girl came to him saying, You also were with Jesus in Galilee, of Galilee. And if you know the account very much at all, you recognize that Peter earlier had told Jesus, Jesus, I'll die for you. Even though everyone else betrayed you, I will remain faithful. When, when they came to arrest Jesus and, and the guard was there, Jesus grabbed somebody's sword and cut off somebody's ear. And he was willing to fight them all. Why? Because Jesus was there. But when Jesus wasn't near him, his whole life changed. And when he lost hope that Jesus was who he claimed to be, he who would fight everyone wouldn't even respond in, in honesty and affirmation to even a little servant girl. Verse 7, he says, but he, but he denied it before him all, saying, I did not know who you're saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were with him, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oh, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by him came up and said to Peter, surely you also are one of them, for your speech always betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Now, the phrase that he cursed and swore is, is shared in the text a little bit um, casually. But when it says he cursed and swore, he would, he would swear unto God that he did not know him. Here was a man who had experienced Easter weekend. His hope had died. And at this point, he had experienced his hope being resurrected. But we find out that he meets the resurrected Savior, and his hope now is experienced. In, in a little letter in the, in the New Testament in which he wrote, he says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, that, that it, when, you, when you come to faith in God, you, you get born to a living hope. A, a certain expectation. But leaving that, that God not only has your future settled, but he, he has your present settled as well. And that your life has not only a direction that's going to last forever, but it's, it's a life filled with the abundance that only God gives because every moment has purpose and a plan that you can follow after. That's God's plan. But there's a, there's a man that's probably most familiar to people who've heard the New Testament story at all about his, his hope being experienced. And in, in John chapter 20, we have the experience of a man named Thomas and most of you know his nickname, his nickname is Doubting Thomas. Because, again, he didn't want to be a person who, was a, who had hope and was a sucker because he had hope. He might have been the, the guy walking around the Jerusalem bazaar with hope is for suckers because he had put his hope in Jesus. And now where, where was his future? His past has been wasted, spending three years with Jesus. And, and now, now what did he have? In John chapter 20, we have the account of, of Thomas. Now, Thomas called the twin, verse 24, one of the twelve was not with him when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. But he was so filled with the hope that was, was dead, he, he didn't believe them. And he said to them, unless I see to in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, the disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. 
Then he said to Thomas, reach your fingers here and look at my hands and reach your hand in here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus says something really to us right after he encounters Thomas. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I think most of us would say, man, wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to have lived during the time of Jesus and to see all the things he, he did and hear all the things he said and, and experience it firsthand, all the things we read about? On this side... Jesus saying, you know, it's, it's the opportunity to be more blessed by God if you believe without seeing specifically. Because the truth is the truth. Whether you're the one sharing the truth with someone because you've experienced it firsthand or whether, whether you're hearing it from someone else. And see, he knew even for those disciples who were always dramatically different when they were in his presence. There was going to come a time in basically 40 days that he would leave. And they would experience hope and conviction when he was not there. What is Easter all about? Easter, hopefully, is not about someone who was in a tomb, comes out, looks around, six days, oh, it's, you know, crawls back in, the groundhog. Easter is more than just a fanciful story that now people are, are experiencing it and, and gathering families together and painting little eggs and, and looking for an Easter bunny that might fly out of the sky. Did you hear about that story about the, uh, the, the school in which they decided they would, they would allow to have eggs and even the bunny there, but they could not call the eggs Easter eggs? Because they called them Easter eggs, it was too related to religion or faith or maybe a belief in God. See, we want to do everything we can to separate the meaning of Easter. Easter is all about God loving us so much that he wants to give us hope. A certain expectation that no matter what life is like now, there's a plan and purpose for us in the future, that will last into eternity. And we have a choice to make. What's the so what of Easter? The so what of Easter is God has a perfect design for your life, and God has the only way for you to receive life. Next Sunday, we begin a whole new series looking at how God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. God has uniquely made us. He has design upon our life. He wants us to understand that there's a plan he wants us to live out and to be used in a way that reflects who he is to others. And I hope you all come back as we go through this series where where God is going to speak directly into each one of our lives. are, Are you living out my plan for your life, my design for you? But for that to happen, you need to, first of all, receive what he and only he can give. One of the more familiar verses in all the Bible is found in John chapter 14, verse 6. Where it says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. 
What's interesting about that verse that we hear about, it, it's in a context of other verses. And there was a man named Thomas who's, who was responding to Jesus because Jesus had just talked about this place he was going to go to prepare a place for all of them who knew him. And he said, you all know the way, right? And everyone was looking around. Well, I don't want to say it to Jesus, but Thomas was willing to say it. And he said, I, I don't know the way. We don't know the way. How do we get to this place that you've prepared for those who know you? He said, it's through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The uniqueness of Christianity is not found in a list of rules and regulations. It's not found in ritual. It's found in a person. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says very plainly, for by grace you can be saved through faith. And it's not of yourself. It's not something you do. It is the gift of God. In just a few moments, we're going to close in a word of prayer. And a gift can be purchased, and it was purchased by Jesus on the cross. It can be wrapped up in a way that you can receive it. And that's what Jesus did when he rose from the dead. But that gift is not yours until you receive it. And so faith is that which appropriates. It's, it's that which accepts and that's what you have to do about easter decide are you on the outside looking in are you on the inside looking out to whatever god wants in his design for your life jesus came to to deal with that which separates us from him which is our sin and we're all all in that same condition our sin has to be forgiven what's the hope of of easter the hope of Easter is that, that death is not the final chapter, that God has something beyond death. The, the good news and the hope about, about Christmas, about Christmas, which started Easter, is, uh, <laughs> is that sin is not going to win. That God conquered sin on the cross. What's the hope of Easter is that we don't have to stay in our old life. That we can receive new life. And the hope of Easter is this invitation is available to everyone. Let's pray. Dear Lord, you, you know each one here more than their spouses, more than their children, more than their best friends. And you know what's in the heart of each person. And Father, what you want them to experience on this Easter is a fresh breath of, of new hope that's found knowing that their future is settled and the plans for their life are designed by one who loves them and knows them and cares about them more than anyone else. But the life of, of faith and hope begins with the first step. And Father, for anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, we invite them to experience the hope of Easter. And they can do so by simply opening up their lives and, and inviting Jesus to give them that gift. This is a prayer that I prayed very similarly to when I received Christ as my Lord and Savior. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that I need to have my sins for forgiven and I ask you to forgive my sins right now.
Come into my life and make me a new person. Give me new life in Jesus. Thank you for doing what you promised. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In a few moments, we're going to take an offering, and that's this opportunity for you if you are part of Grace Hills family to give into the ministry here. But if you made a commitment to Christ, uh, hopefully those response cards, I don't think we made a big deal about that. But Anna, if you made that commitment to Christ, we want to know about that so we can help you in your faith journey. And simply put on the back of that card maybe a cross, and that will help us to know that you made that commitment. And then we can just not put you on a a mailing list that you'll never get off of, but just simply an opportunity to find out more about how to know God and live for Him. As we continue to worship, uh, might you just experience the hope that's found in Easter.